And, um, and I began to realize as we stand on the brink of this new year that the older I get, I'm not getting wiser. I begin to realize the older that I get that each day is a gift from the Lord. I need to make the most of it. And so I'm wanting to encourage us this morning as we look at 2024 is to look at it through the perspective of this year is a gift. It's another year. Amen? It's another year where we are presented in God with fresh opportunities to experience the grace of our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, and to see His plans and His purposes unfold for us. So I have the privilege this morning of launching this new year with a preaching series called More Than Enough. And it's rooted in this topic of generosity. It's a very apt topic, I think, to tackle, especially as we enter January. <laughs> yeah, January. I'm going to play on that for a little bit. You see, the beginning of a new year can bring apprehension. It's a time of the year where we can feel the bite of our holiday season overindulgence and spending, where the waistline might have become a little bit overstretched. But not only has the waistline become overstretched, but the credit line has become overstretched. I don't have anything against festivities and gifts. Just receive one. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> I've got nothing against gifts. I think gifts are a wonderful way to show somebody that you appreciate them and you love them. I've got nothing against having fun. The Bible, in fact, does talk about having fun. And, uh, but what I do want to caution against is how we steward that which we get. And so this context of more than enough, this series on generosity is with that in line. Because if we, bad stewardship has a negative impact on life, doesn't it? So when we talk about January, when we start getting all those bills where we haven't, where we spent, <laughs> overspent, those bills still got to be paid, don't they? And then you begin to worry. And so uh, we're going to talk about generosity. So before you shut down on me, please don't. It's not just about money. So I'm talking about generosity as applied to every area of life. Okay? So that's the context of which I'm sharing this message in this morning. The ultimate example of generosity we see in the Bible, don't we? We've received the ultimate act of generosity, haven't we, as children of God? The giving of the Lord Jesus Christ. So John 3.16, we know that well. We were raised on that scripture, weren't we, from very small when we could understand. For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave. He didn't just give. He gave generously, lavishly, gave his own son, Jesus Christ, for us. So in the Bible, we see, the Bible teaches us, and we've been recipients of this incredible grace, generous grace that the Father has bestowed upon us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's why we make much about Jesus. And so we can't say that we love God or we love others without being generous ourselves. I love my grandkids, little Gracie and uh, little Sam, who's growing at the rate of, I love them dearly. I just, I can't wait to see them. I can't wait to hold them. I can't wait to talk to them. I can't wait to have fun on them. But it does come at a cost. <laughs> if you've seen me after I've had an afternoon with Gracie, I, I, I look what I call... Being, uh, being gracified. 
Because she's got sick all over you. That's like you've got food. And, and sometimes when they wet their nappy and it doesn't, you get, get peed on. And you, you know, you're covered. But that doesn't change my love for the, those kids. I still love, love her. I love them dearly. And love always gives, doesn't it? Love always gives. Doesn't stop giving. So I love that I will continue to reach. I will continue loving those kids. And until I go home to glory, I know that I'll love them. I love my wife and I love my children. But I also love my grandchildren. As Richard Preston, I'm going to throw him under the bus this morning. He's not ashamed to say that he loves his grandkids more than his own children. <laughs> and you can challenge him on that when he comes to preach next. Which might be soon. <laughs> but we can't. We can't love God. We can't love others without being generous. When it comes to generosity, our challenge is not a material one. It's a mindset problem. Often we think, I can't be generous because I don't have the material resources. It's a mindset issue, and I'm going to be looking at that this morning. A great biblical example of generous living is Paul the Apostle. So we've looked at Jesus. God gave his only son, Jesus. But another man that really inspires me as I look at his life is Paul the Apostle. Now, it's very interesting that Paul, a very generous man, but he wasn't always like that. <laughs> very generous man. If we read 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, the two chapters on generosity in the Bible, Paul himself penned those chapters, speaks much about generosity, but he wasn't always like that. We know that he was a, a religious zealot. He, he hated Christians until he had his own encounter with Jesus, hated the church, persecuted the church. He was a religious uh, Jewish zealot. He gets radically saved. I'm just giving us a context for 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He gets radically saved, and he gets called to take the gospel to Gentiles. Okay. So now this is difficult for a Jew by birth, raised, Jewish household, now to take the gospel to the Gentiles, somebody that the Jews look down upon as being inferior but you know, Paul, this call was recognized by James, Peter, and John, three men in the Bible. Don't have time to unpack that. But three men in the Bible, they tell Paul that you've got this call to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Galatians chapter 2, verse 7, just so we remain biblical. Okay? We read, they saw that, James, Peter, and John, that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. So imagine how Paul gets this call. He's Jewish by birth. He's been raised Jewish. He's hated. He's hated and persecuted the church. Now he's got to take the gospel to Gentiles, other people that the world despised. Imagine some of the tension he must have felt in that. But for God. But for understanding a generous God a loving God, who broke into his own life and gave him the most precious gift of all the gospel. And that's why Paul can write again in Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, that he has always been eager to do that. We read, their only suggestion that was we keep on helping the poor, which I have, underlined that in your Bible, always been eager to do. So it's not like he wasn't eager to do it. Why could Paul love like that? Why could Paul go to the places that he was and suffering because of love? Received, recipient, he could give it. Because he understood. He understood the love of a father. Paul's mindset, when I read that, is to always be generous. And so Paul has this call to go to 
the world to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, but he understands he needs some help in this. Okay? He writes a letter to the Macedonians. That's where we get 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 from, where he refers to it. He goes to the Macedonian churches, and he asks them to help. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he's writing to the Corinthians, but he's referring to the Macedonians who he's already approached for help. Okay? To take this gospel. We want you to know about the grace. Now that word grace appears about 10 times, I think, in this one chapter. 1 chapter 8. He's highlighting something. About the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst, context, of a very severe trial. Okay? Context, struggling, suffering. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. The testimony that Paul is highlighting here about the Macedonian churches for the Corinthian churches, by the way, okay, that's the context of this letter. He refers to Macedonian churches, gave lavishly, generously. He's saying to the Corinthians, I want you to be just like the Macedonian churches. You need a revelation of generosity. Is in fact what he's saying. The testimony of the Macedonian churches. Although poor, they were generous. Okay? Now, <laughs> we think that we face some trial and hardship when we have to cancel our Netflix subscription. Think I'm poor. Okay, context. This poverty that the Macedonian church that Paul is highlighting was extreme. They lacked the means to satisfy basic needs, like for some of them a roof over their head. Who sleeps indoors? Raise your hand. Uh, nice and high. Don't be, don't be ashamed. It's okay to say I live in a house <laughs> or stay in a room. It's okay to say that. They had a roof over their heads. Okay? You have. They, some of them didn't. Who's got clean water? You turn a tap on, you can fill a jug with water. Please raise your hands. Nice and high. Yeah? Clean water. Okay, not so clean. We live in Port Elizabeth. But we've got access to water so we can bath. Who's eaten more than once today? Or will eat more than once today? I know some of you, <laughs> some of you are thinking about lunchtime already. I know. I can tell more than once today, okay? Because you're planning your meals. Medical attention. Able to see a doctor or go to the hospital. These are basic needs that we all enjoy. Macedonian churches didn't. Paul is highlighting this. Despite their poverty... Despite their poverty, he's saying these churches, these people were irrationally generous. Doesn't make sense. Despite everything they lacked, they were still able to be generous. Testimony of this church. Secondly, as they faced many trials, yet overflowed with joy. In other words, they didn't live with a poverty mentality. Woe is me. Didn't go through life like I'm struggling. Consider for a moment what it was like for the Macedonians living in extreme poverty. Some of the things that we enjoy, they didn't enjoy. How would I respond if that was me? Just a thought. Anxiety? Worry? Depression? Here's a big one. Selfish living. Because that's actually what happened with the Corinthian church. They were selfish. They didn't want to give 
Paul had to say, listen, you've got to be generous. And so I'm going to protect. I'm going to hoard. I'm going to just not care. I'm going to care about me. I'm going to look after what I have. So even though life was tough, Macedonian churches, they were able to live generously and joyfully. So there's extreme suffering. Poverty, with poverty comes suffering. And despite the suffering, Paul highlights that they were able to live lavishly, irrationally generous lives. Amazing. They had a different mindset. That's how they had a different mindset. And in this context, context of a mindset problem, Bible highlights two different mindsets, and I borrowed this analogy from someone else. It's called a bag mindset or a barn mindset. Bag mindset or a barn mindset. Bag mindset, I don't have enough. Go through with life. Doesn't matter what we have, I don't have enough. Got a roof over my head, I don't have enough. I'm able to go to a hospital, I don't have enough. I'm able to have a meal today, I don't have enough. I'm able to access water, I don't have enough. We go through life always thinking, I don't have enough. Bag mentality, and it's going to become a little bit clearer, so hang in with me. Or a barn mindset, I have more than enough. Okay, You can live with either of those mindsets. Bag mindset. Ever identified with this attitude? I wish I could give but I don't have enough. When I have more, then I'll give more. Be honest, I think we've all been there. Haggai chapter 1 verse 6, and I'm reading out of the ESV. This is what Haggai says. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your full. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Put them into a bag with holes. And so what Haggai is inferring here, bag mindset, always consuming, always consuming, always consuming. Our bag has holes, so we will never have enough to give. And so our fear of not having enough drives us to always consume. That's the inference of the scripture here. This is the Bible speaking, by the way. This is God speaking to us. It's not me trying to manipulate us into being more generous. This is just the Bible speaking. And so Macedonians didn't live like this. They had a barn mindset, that I have more than enough. Now, it's, it's almost a dichotomy. How can you have more than enough when you're in poverty? It's like, how does that make sense? Well, it's a spiritual currency. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. This is a barn mindset that the Macedonians lived with. Instead of consuming, that's, this is born, instead of consuming, and then I might give if I have a little bit left over. They gave, and then what was left over, they lived off. An inverted principle. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 to 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Not just your wealth. And the best part of everything. Please say with me, everything. Everything you produce. 
So remember, I said that this message, we're all about reproduction, aren't we? Then he, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of everything you produce. Then he, capital H-E, will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. It seems to me when I read the story about the Macedonians that they understood this principle, that God gives us everything and if we're generous stewards of it and we are giving generously, he will continue supplying. But the reality is, is when he gives, not bond mindset, bag mindset, when he gives and we keep consuming, like poking holes in that bag, God fill, God fill, God fill, he pours out, pours out, pours out, never enough, never enough, never enough. And I was going to buy a bag of rice and I was going to jab it with a knife and to illustrate that, but then I'd have to vacuum on Tuesday. But you get the picture. Which mindset do we live with? Bag or barn? Macedonians very little. Very little, but they gave abundantly. Barn mindset. So many of us live with this bag mentality. We think we will give more, just to remind us what I've already said, when we have more. Wise man said this, Amazing, amazing quote this. He says, money and stuff won't make us more generous. It would make us more of what we already are. Money and stuff won't make us more generous. It will make us more of what we already are. We need a revelation of a generous God who gives us everything. And when we are generous, like he is generous, and I don't believe we can outgive God, by the way. It's impossible. But if we just take a smidgen of his character and his nature and we determine to walk in that, then we are able to enjoy just something of that barn picture. He will fill our vets. The Macedonians who lived with a barn mindset, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 3 to 5. This is not just a third-hand testimony that sort of rolled through the ages and news came to Paul. Paul says, I testified, because he himself wrote a letter to them, said, I need your help in advancing the gospel. And nobody, the Bible records that nobody, Paul said nobody, when he writes to the Corinthians, he says nobody but the Macedonians gave when there was a need. Hey? The poorest of the poor, the most Poverty-stricken people were the ones that stepped up and understood this principle of a lavish, generous God. I'm going to give generously. And this is what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 3 to 5. I knew I would get there sometime. He says, for I can testify, I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. There's no pastor twisting their arm compelling them and manipulating them to give. They understood this dynamic of that I've received grace and in grace I give. Why? Because I'm honoring God and I'm seeing the gospel advance on the back of my generosity. We'll look at that now. They begged us. I love this. They begged us. It wasn't just once, okay, here's the bucks. They begged us again. The Bible says again and again. And I'd like to say again and again after that. They begged us again and again, 
for the privilege. <laughs> Giving is a privilege eh? of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. So Paul obviously went to them with a need, and he, I'm sure he didn't say that you need to give, like happens in some churches, you know. I'm going on a holiday, <laughs> and I need 5,000 rand. He says, no, actually, there's a group of believers in a specific part of our world, and we need to step in and help them. Please be generous. I'm, I'm sure that's how he would have written his letter. Okay, he didn't stipulate how much. And Paul says they were able to give more than what we had hoped. From the poorest of the poor. For the first action was not to give to Paul. The first action was not to give to a need. First action was to give, what does the Bible say? To the Lord and then to us. They understood that I'm honoring God with my generosity, with my giving. And then to us, just as God wanted them to do. They begged us again and again. No no begging from a pulpit. The people understanding that we live in a, an economy, a spiritual economy, where we love and serve a generous God. And the generous God has given us everything. And I give out of the abundance that He has given me. That is the currency that they operated in. No manipulated from the pulpit to give. Can I say, friends, if you're unaware, we have a plentiful pantry. And uh, we're going to have a moment where Shante will talk about that where we have people in need in our city. And I, I just, I was, I was convicted, really, just reading this. I was convicted by that plentiful pantry. And there's this little box. I'm not knocking your little box. But a little box that we put a few groceries in for our people in need. And I said to Shelley, I'm going out and I'm going to buy a big box that we can get more groceries and be more generous. Mindset change. From bag to barn. We have people in need in our community that we can help. But it's actually, we're just reflecting the heart of Jesus to those who have less. Remember who we were before we broke into our life. Okay? Bible says we were destitute. We lived in poverty, spiritual. Okay? And what has that brought us? What has that given us? Abundant life, hasn't it? And so by our giving, we share the life of God with those in our city. So I wasn't going to go there, but I thought it just fits within the context of the message this morning. They begged us again and again for the privilege of giving. Not compelled to give, not manipulated, not strong-armed, but they gave of their own free will. Their bond mindset, bond mindset, was modified, was modified, listen to me, not modified, motivated by this truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God, God, God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 10, farmer, bread to eat. In the same way, in the same way, using a farming analogy, he will provide and increase your resources. Can I ask you to underline, highlight, increase your resources? Okay. Remember the context? It's not just finance. How about just going beyond the front wall of your home or stepping outside of your gate and helping somebody else who has a need? To look beyond your own needs. 
increase your resources, increase your capacity, increase your love, increase your gifting. You know the gifting that he gave you is not for you. It's for others, so that others might experience the wonder of Jesus. I'll look at resources in that context. It says, and then he will, he will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. Just dipping in there quickly. The next chapter, all still part of generosity. Paul says two good things. Two good things result from this ministry of giving, from this ministry of generosity. Okay, two good things result. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. The needs of others will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to us. No? To who? To experience and know this Jesus who is worthy of it all. Paul ends chapter with these words, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, underpins chapter 8 and chapter 9 with these words. Verse 19, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Maybe the music team can come up, please. It says, thank God. Thank God for this gift to wonderful for words. What's Paul pointing to? He's pointing to Jesus. He's referring to Jesus Christ and his gift of eternal life. He's reminding us when we read these words of the generosity of a loving God. And he's saying, go and do the same. Please stand with me. Go and do the same. Seems like a strange message to start a new year off, but then you wanted a rah rah message. Well, this is a rah rah message because it's a word of God. But it's a message, friends, where I trust that we have been challenged and maybe even convicted as we look to the year ahead is that each day is a gift. Each year is a gift. I just felt compelled to ask us, and I include myself in the us, what are we doing with this gift? How are we looking at this gift? How are we looking at it? What are we going to do? And Jared's word is so important. We want to see the Spirit of God break in into our city. We want to see the life of God flow. Can I suggest that when we are generous in the city that we live in, when we love the city that we live in, loving God, loving others, reaching out is our vision statement. It hasn't died. It's still alive for this year. Then we will see the life of God flow in our city. Generous hearts, loving the unlovely. Reaching out to the lost. Helping those who have need. Encouraging those who are broken. Not just to stand here and sing about it on a Sunday morning, but practically get involved on the mission that Jesus has saved us for. Not just to know Him, but to make Him known. So I want to encourage us, friends. Join us, the family, on this journey of loving a generous God and loving a city generously. Don't live with a bag mindset this year. Let our life at the end of the year, when we look back to January, 
we stand in the presence of Jesus, let us look back and say, I lived with a mentality of a barn. <laughs> Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us this morning. Maybe you do have a need, and I'm not downplaying that need. Everybody has different needs. I trust this morning, like Paul does, points us to this gift, Jesus Christ. Thank God for this gift to wonderful for words. And we would understand and realize that He ultimately is our provider, our comforter, one who strengthens us spiritually, emotionally, physically, materially. If we've lived with a bag mindset, life has been about me. Be freed from that prison this morning and we'd embrace this bond mentality that we've been reading about in the Word. Jesus, that you'd bless us that we could be blessed to be a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we sing this song, lift up our voice and our hearts to honor you, worship you, to say thank you for your abundant, overflowing goodness, firstly displayed in the giving of your Son, Jesus, for us, and then demonstrated in everything else that you've afforded us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.